You are listening to the 1% Christian, the daily Bible study where we get together for 1% of our day. We study God's word and then we head out to the remaining 99% to do something amazing with this life that God's given us. I'm Pastor J.D. Ambrosio with Sound of Heaven Church in Deer Park, New York. I invite you to check us out at soh.church. And while you are there, download our free mobile app. There's a digital Bible on there so that you can follow along. An awesome online community and all of our teachings. It's a great resource to carry around with you. And if you're listening anywhere where you get your podcasts, like, share, subscribe, turn on your notifications. Don't want you to miss anything. Say that, and I mean that. We're going through the Gospel of Matthew. We're in chapter 18. Had to take a day for those of you that are listening on the streaming platforms. I know now we've gone two days without anything getting uploaded uh, to that place, and the reason was we had some sound issues on uh, what would be Monday, and uh, we had to remedy those and had to re-record for this platform anyway. And, uh, you know, technology, it's a blessing and also sometimes a a pain in the you-know-what. It obviously gives us the ability to, you know, get the word out there. Um, And uh, I think about it like this, you know, Jesus used to meet people on mountaintops and, you know, by caves and all that stuff. I wonder if I were to say, meet me at this place, if, if I'd get an audience. I think some of you would. I think you'd come out there, especially if I picked uh, Long Island Beach. <clears throat> We've got some of the most beautiful beaches here, but I digress. We are in Matthew chapter 18, and uh, if you remember from our study the other day, it kind of kicked off with a with an interesting uh, <laughs> discussion between the disciples and they play a game that you and I uh, try not to play, but we do. Uh, who's the greatest? Who's the bestest? Who's better than that person? Who am I better than, right? It's our insecurities that make us want to be better than others, right? We want to impress others. It's what the uh, a lot of the people, a lot of, a lot of the leaders of Jesus' time struggled with, right? And we'll call it a struggle. You know, it's easy to point fingers at them, but uh, they wanted to be the best. They wanted to stand on the corners and and be admired for how holy they were. Um, and uh, we see that, unfortunately, in our... Uh, in our in every segment of society, right? I, th- I believe it's a a product of uh, some of the brokenness that we have inside of us to always want to be better than others. But the disciples ask, you know, who's the greatest in the kingdom of God? And Jesus puts them in their place. And and what's cool is is that them being them, right, uh, really kicks off what we're studying over the next couple of days. And Jesus is begins teaching. And he's teaching on what it really means to be a good kingdom citizen, right? And the first attribute, characteristic, whatever you want to call it, that he points out is be like a child, right? He, t- he, he, he takes a child and puts them in front of them or, or we, like we said, perhaps lines the child up with them. And he says, if you want to be the greatest in the kingdom, be like this child, right? He says, if you, you take the lowly position of this child. Now, most of us, we think of the greatest and we don't think of a lowly position. Well, neither did the disciples. They thought of somebody who was going to uh, be admired and walk through. And that's what they did, right? We pointed out how back in Matthew 15, when we read that, they're walking with Jesus like his entourage. Well, Jesus didn't need an entourage of, 
you know, people feeding off of his greatness. He needed people that were going to be like him. And to be like him, it wasn't about clout. It wasn't about being admired. It was about serving and loving the world around him, around us. And he, he really puts them in their place and says, you want to be the greatest in the kingdom? Unless you change and become like little children, you'll never enter into the kingdom of God. Strong words. Well, the words get stronger. Because we ended with verse 5 where it said, And whoever welcomes one such child in my name welcomes me. This is akin to, right, what we see a little bit later in Jesus in his parables, you know, um, talks about how, you know, when, when I was hungry, you fed me. When I was thirsty, you gave me something to drink. When I was naked, you clothed me. When I was in prison, you came to visit me. And, and what in that, you know, representation, what did they say? Well, when do we do these things? Says what you did for the least of these, you did for me. Jesus didn't come to hobnob with the, with the royalty. He came into the world in a manger. He spent his child with parents of lesser means, not in palaces. His profession was as a carpenter. He was a builder. So Jesus didn't come to serve, but to be served. And that's exactly what he said. And he says it here, how to be the greatest and to enter into the kingdom of God, we must become like children. Right? And we gave a couple of examples of what it means to be a child. It means to be inquisitive, always wanting to learn more, never thinking that you know everything. It means not to have partiality between people, right? This person's better than this person, but to love everybody the same. Thank God he loves everybody the same. Children are a symbol of innocence and purity. They're eager to believe the impossible. And as we get into our adult life, sometimes we become less and less you know, a believer in the impossible, less and less optimistic, our expectations, because honestly, we get beat up throughout this life. And it's easy to say, well, you know, that's just, it is what it is. But I challenge you not to be complacent in your life, but to have a great expectation. Whether you're 18 or you're 81, God's not done with you yet. God can do amazing things around you, Amazing things in you and through you. Amen. But Jesus begins to have some really strong words. And he starts with, if you welcome this child, you welcome me. But then, but then, verse 6. And I didn't include verse 6 on my slide, so I'm going to read it out of my Bible. I still carry around my paper Bible, always. I'll go back to five. It says, and whoever receives one such child in my name receives me. But whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to stumble, it is better for him that a heavy millstone to be hung around his neck and to be drowned in the depth of the sea. Wow. What is Jesus saying here? Jesus is using extremely, extremely Strong words. Better to have a millstone. Well, first, let's address 
causing the child to stumble. This word stumble is the Greek word standalone, and it's he's talking about stumbling blocks. What a what a sta- standalone, a scandalon. I'm sorry, scandalon is basically a rock in your place that causes you to trip. It's also meant to be a trap, right? When it's purposely put there, when it's done on purpose. It is something that is in the way. And he says, woe to you who causes the little children. And that knows how he says little children. He's not just talking, when you break down that word as well, he's not just talking about little children. It's those who are humble. Sometimes we want to reject people that are humble. We want strong people. We want the people of the world that are, you know, telling other people off and beating other people up. We like that. Our flesh likes that. But he says, woe to you who sets traps and sets things in the place of little children, you know, his children that and causes people to stumble. And he says, it'll be better if you had a millstone around your neck and thrown into the sea. Now, a millstone was a big, big stone that was generally pulled around by a donkey. It was used for agricultural purposes, and it was used as a tool to grind like flour and things like that. And uh, it would be no, they, they would get the point. That's very heavy. You tie something like that around you and get thrown into the, uh, into the ocean, you're not coming back up. Also, I want to point out here that they, that Jesus is, is referring to being drowned as a punishment, right? That's not something that the Jewish people did, but that is something that the Romans did. It wasn't very common, and they would set aside, like if, if for people that killed their parents, which is really interesting here, right? Or killed somebody that was close, like a close family member. They would, th- that is what they would do. They would execute by drowning. So it was a terrifying thing. So why, why is Jesus trying to scare them? He's not necessarily. But what he's saying is that if you live your life, in a way where you your your focus is to trap others and to cause other people to stumble it's not going to end well for you you cannot i cannot continuously want to go against what god wants and see good fruit in our life and and it's not because god's up there with a lightning bolt looking to get us just eventually what we do gets us Right? It says that in, in what? That's Psalms, right? Anybody who goes after ill-gotten gain. <laughs> right? It says in, in the beginning of Proverbs, those who lie in wait as a trap, they eventually see destruction themselves. I'm paraphrasing here, obviously. But we, we can't live our life wanting to hurt other people. Or trying to get ahead in this way or honestly doing it maliciously. I mean, that's obvious. You're like, yeah, well, that's obvious. I'm a Christian. Well, I get it. I get it. But we can do things in, in more subtle ways. A lot of times we don't realize what gossip does, how dangerous that is. You know, or even just the fail- the, the, a failure in, in properly edifying. We should be speaking about one another with edification. And that's a form of gossip, too. Right? We don't realize what we undermine when we don't have control of the words that we say. So this isn't just about you know, laying traps and maliciously hurting people. Sometimes it's, oh, I was just talking. We have to be more careful with what we do because the world is watching. 
And if we're not being examples of Christ, a lot of times we're being stumbling blocks. And if we're being stumbling blocks to the world around us, and the world is full of stumbling blocks all by itself, you know, we're not living the life that God has called us to live. And when we're not doing that, we suffer loss of some sort. We live in a world of cause and effect, right? Let's keep reading. Go here. All right. It says, woe to the world. This is verse 7. Woe to the world because of its stumbling blocks. So it's basically saying there are going to be stumbling blocks in this world. It says it here. For it is inevitable that stumbling blocks come. But woe to the person through whom the stumbling block comes. Jesus is basically saying here, remove stumbling blocks. Certainly don't place them there, but remove them. And that's what he gets to here in verse 8. And if your hand or your foot is causing you to, stu- to sin, this one's really hard to swallow. We'll get into it. Cut it off and throw it away from you. It's better for you to enter life maimed or without a foot than to have two hands or two feet and be thrown into the eternal fire. And if your eye is causing you to sin, tear it out and throw it away from you. It's better for you to enter life with one eye than to have two eyes and be thrown into a fiery hell. That fiery hell, that word hell, by the way, is the Greek word Gehenna. Gehenna was an actual place outside of Jerusalem where they would burn fire and they would throw away dead animals. See that you do not look down on any one of these little ones. For I say to you that their angels in heaven continuously see the face of my Father who is in heaven. So that the face of God can be seen in the innocence and the purity of children. And I think this goes without saying. We need to vehemently defend this next generation and protect them. Right? They are our future. And I will not be singing our children are our future. I'm not going to sing that for you today because you'll stop listening. But it's so important that we remove stumbling blocks. And that's what Jesus is talking about here. He's talking about not placing stumbling blocks and removing stumbling blocks. And he's also saying that stumbling blocks, right? Imagine those, the things that seek to trip you up are present. You say, well, Jay, what about, you know, cutting out your eye and cutting off your hand and all that stuff? That sounds scary. Now, I don't want to hear anybody has cut off their hand or cut cut out their eye. That's not what Jesus is saying. But he is saying in a hyperbolic way, uh, he's saying this. It's better for you to self-impose some sort of a sacrifice than to force yourself into some sort of an involuntary sacrifice or punishment. I think about my life, okay, if I'm just real. I am grateful that I have been able to change some things in my life that were destructive. And sometimes I needed to fall on my butt and for things to happen for me to say, you know, it's time to change. Other times I have, through the wisdom of God, been able to make changes in my life and thus avoided the loss, right? So Jesus is not telling you to pluck out your eye. He's using it in a hyperbolic way saying, hey, Make necessary changes to whatever extent that you can so that you don't suffer significant loss. Remember, he said, what is, what, is it, what is it good for us to gain the whole world yet you lose our soul, right? To trade, 
the physical things of this world and lose the spiritual part of us inside. It's better to have physical impairments or physical sacrifices than to submit your personal spiritual well-being, which is the true you. Now, thankfully, right, we don't have to do the things that Jesus said. You don't have to cut off your hand. You don't have to pluck out your eye. All right? I hope that makes you feel good today. Because he made a way for us. God made a way with Jesus to be the perfect example of how we can live our lives and reflect him. Now, does that mean everything's going to be perfect in our life? Absolutely not. That would be a fallacy for me to say, follow God and everything will be perfect. But you will have an un- a strength that you did not have before. Jesus himself said that in this world, you're going to have tribulation, right? There are going to be stumbling blocks and things that get in your way. But be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. There's nothing in your path that you can face that Jesus is not already defeated on your behalf. Now it's time for you to conquer it, to learn how to get through it, to act as he acted and press forward. Regardless, God gave us his spirit. That same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, that same spirit that was with him in the Garden of Gethsemane when he faced the cross and he said, I don't, I don't want to go through this, but your will, let your will be done. That's strength. That's not just, that is Jesus, but it wasn't just for God in that human vessel. That same strength resides in me and you. And that spirit is a helper. It's a guide. It's a gift that he gives to me and you as part of our salvation. So yeah, you don't have to pluck out your eye. Why? Because the Holy Spirit's going to help you if you have a, if your eye is causing you to sin, go to God and say, "God, help me with this." And he'll spiritually remove that thing so you don't have to physically remove it. Amen. He gave us his written word. He gave us a way to read about Jesus. And that's why the Bible is the word, because it points to Jesus, because Jesus is the word. Jesus is the Logos. He gave us discipleship. He gave us the ability to spend time with one another, to strengthen one another, to mentor one another, to teach one another. And he gave us the capacity for self-control. So you are not a slave to the things that are holding you back. You don't have to bump your head on every stumbling block that's in front of you. <laughs> you don't. Now I can tell you I've hit my head on many. I make the joke all the time. I've got a doctorate from the school of hard knocks. I've made a lot of mistakes and I'm grateful that I was able to make it through. I was saying that to my wife, you know, when I was younger, I never really finished anything. I got to be real. And I look at, you know, my kids, and yes, I have to push them, but I'm very proud of them because at an early age, they have more drive than I had to cultivate their gifts and, and to walk those gifts out. Do they have, you know, anxieties and fears that they have to overcome? Of course, they're alive on this planet. Of course they do. But I'm very proud of them because I, for a long time, I had to cultivate that in my life. And I still have a long way to go. I'm not standing here making any claims that I've arrived in any way. 
Not 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 a not a chance. But what I mean by he gave us the capacity for self-control, that's one of the fruits of the Spirit, right? What if we just had a little bit more control over our feelings and our emotions? Driving here to the studio today, I got cut off pretty good. If I would have just acted on my impulse, I wouldn't be here today. I'd be starting a prison ministry, <laughs> all right? I'm just being real with you. But the fruit of the Spirit, which is love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, meekness, kindness, faithfulness, self-control. These are all things that typically go against what you want to do in your flesh. But if you would embrace those things, you can remove the stumbling blocks in your life. And God will give you the power to embrace those things more times than not when you put him first. So that's my prayer for you as we wrap up here, okay? Is that you make it part of your life to not be a stumbling block to others, to be a good example, to not be the reason why they fall into sin, but be the reason why they lean more to God. That you would remove stumbling blocks from their path in that way. Make that a life's mission but also to remove the stumbling blocks to you in your life at all costs. I believe we're going into a year, a year of confrontation. And you say, oh, confrontation, that's a scary word. Well, that's not what I mean. It's a good confrontation. It's dealing with the things in your life that you've allowed to stay there, the things that you still keep tripping on day after day. God wants you, and he will help you. Yes, it's heavy. It's heavy, but God will help you carry it, hand it to him, and remove it from your path. This is that year. You have to make that decision. Amen? No more stumbling blocks. No more stumbling blocks to others. No more stumbling blocks to yourself. Or when you do come up on the stumbling blocks, which you will, that you'll have the wisdom, the knowledge, and the strength to have them removed. If you can remove a mountain with faith, you can remove a stumbling block. Amen? Let's pray. Father God, in the mighty name of Jesus, we humbly come before you and we want all stumbling blocks removed from our life. The ones that sometimes we set, either intentionally or unintentionally, or the ones that are in our path that we stumble on. Father, we just want our way to be straight to a life that honors you. So, Father, in the mighty name of Jesus, we know that you've given us the capacity to change our lives, and we thank you for that. We ask you to give us the strength, the wisdom, and the understanding to identify the things that are holding us back and to trust you more. Just say, I want to trust you more, God. No more tripping up on the things that we've been tripping up on. It's time to make that change. And we have the power to make that change. Amen. And we thank you for that. We pray all this in Jesus' mighty name. I'm Pastor J.D. Ambrosio, Sound of Heaven Church, Deer Park, New York. Check us out, soh.church. This is the 1% Christian, the daily Bible study where we get together for 1%, sometimes a little more. Today was a little more of our day. But what do we do? We head out and do something amazing for Christ's sake. I love you guys. We'll continue with Matthew chapter 18. 
being a good kingdom citizen tomorrow.